Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. It is believed by Archie Battersby's mother. Now, we don't know for sure, but she believes, uh, his mother believes, that the reason Archie Battersby, and if you're not familiar who he is, I'll explain it all in a second, but the reason he's in hospital and life support currently at the moment is because online he got involved in a TikTok challenge. I'm not going to go into it too much on the air because it's unnecessary for me to do that, but needless to say, the child ended up in hospital on life support, so much so that that's the conversation today. And Archie's ba- Archie Battersby's parents have submitted an application now to the European Court of Human Rights in a bid to postpone the withdrawal of his life support. Life-sustaining treatment for the 12-year-old, he's 12 years of age, beautiful young child, by the way, if you've seen the photographs, has been in place since April and was due to be withdrawn later. An appeal against the decision to end treatment was refused by the Supreme Court on Tuesday. And Archie's mother said she was relieved the new application was now being made. Uh, Bart's NHS Health Trust, which runs the Royal London Hospital, where Archie is now being treated, said changes to his treatment would not have been made until legal issues were resolved. Miss Dance, who was his mother, said she had received offers to care for her son from health providers in two other countries, including Japan and Italy. If this country, she said, can treat him, or they're not willing to treat him, uh, where is the harm in allowing him to go to another country? Now, the Christian Legal Centre, which has been supporting probably financially as well the action taken by Archie's parents, has said the application submitted to the European Court of Human Rights is asking to impose interim measures to postpone life support being withdrawn while the UN considers the case. And in a statement by the European Court of Human Rights confirmed it had received the application, which is now being processed. Now, Archie was found, as you know, unconscious at home in Southend on Sea Essex in April on April the 7th, only a short time ago, I should be thinking about it, he's never regained consciousness. And his mother believes he may have been part of the online challenge that I spoke, pardon me, that I spoke about. He suffered severe brain damage. Now, she claims that there has been no test taken to say that he's brain stem dead. But according to doctors, they believe he's brain stem dead and he will never recover. But she holds out hope. She talks about the fact that he, when she's with him, he squeezes her hand every now and again. Doctors, of course, will write this off as a muscular contraction, a natural human reaction of muscles contracting, and it's not really his brain deciding to do it. But she believes that she has seen his eyes move. She believes there is still life in him. And as much as we can talk about this today, and we'll all have an opinion, and I think, I think it's fair, because the, the, the laws in Ireland are pretty similar when it comes to the situation. If you're in that situation where life support and a person is on life support and doctors believe that it is cruel to continue life support, to keep a person uncomfortable, they don't know exactly what nerve endings work and what don't when you're in that situation, but they believe it's cruel, well, life support can be ended without your permission. You can take a court action, as Archie's mother and father did. And, you, and there has been one or two cases have gone to the high court in this country, but undoubtedly, in most cases, the high court will always, nearly always, rule with the doctors who are in charge because they believe they know best. And they will ultimately make that decision. Doctors treating Archie have said they believe it is highly likely he is brainstem dead and argued it is in his best interest for the life support to end. A previous High Court ruling heard every bodily function of Archie's is now maintained by artificial means, while another heard he had not regained awareness at any time 
although Archie's family will deny that. While all sympathise, and we all sympathise with the family's heartbreaking situation, comments online suggest at the end of the day, doctors know best. Many take, I suppose, exception to the fact that she has used the word execute. And she has said this over the last 24 hours, that they're executing her son. And many people have taken exception to that line saying the doctors and nurses are doing the best they can. But I can understand, and I don't think she's guilty of anything by saying that. She is a mother who is desperate to keep her son alive. Her 12-year-old son. A wonderful, beautiful child that she has raised for 12 years and with her father has raised. So much so, I believe, the father actually had a stroke recently because of the upset and how this is, the upset this has caused. So, and he's by her side all the time. The family are by her side. And I'm just going to give you a little a taste of how she feels. And this is ma'am. She's talking outside the hospital. And have a, have a quick listen. And yeah, Holly Dance, by the way, is the mother's name. Have a quick listen to what she said. And to just play this here for you. Oh, for some reason it's deciding not to play for me. But there you go. I'll come back to that in a second. Oh. Things in radio never work when you want them to work, do they? There we go. It might work now. Well, we're fighting as hard as we are because the evidence that's been put over into the call is far from actually the condition that Archie's in. We've been here 115 days now. We was told Archie wouldn't last the night. He's stable. It's, I've had a friend that's come up to visit that's a qualified nurse for 25 years. It was put across, I believe, today that Archie's organs are failing. She's said 100% today that there are no signs whatsoever that Archie's organs are failing. All his stats every single day, he's holding himself very well. For somebody that's supposed to be deteriorating, you know, the courts have said today that he's lo- he's deteriorating, he's losing weight. That's not the case. He's actually gained weight. Uh, that's That's been noted. He was weighed last week. He's gained weight. You know, it's, it's far from what's actually been put in front of these judges, but because we've been silenced, um, we're not allowed any medical experts or anyone sort of on our behalf to come in and challenge these doctors. That's the only evidence that's going in front of the court and it's not fair. It's, I thought, you know, a court, it should be hearing both sides of a story. That's not the case. And some people may think that she sounds reasonably calm in that, uh, but I can tell you now that in other interviews uh, in the last 24 hours, that was about 24 hours ago, uh, she was inconsolable. So she changes because she got to remember, she's fighting. She's, at the moment, she's in a world that nobody else understands where her 12-year-old is in hospital. And to her, these are life and death situations. She talks about the fact, for example, when she goes to the High Court, she's not allowed to have doctors there to represent her. And that's the way the High Court works in these situations. The doctors will be there to represent the hospital. She's only there to represent her. She's not allowed to have any medical experts on her side. That's what she's given out about. Anyway, the point is, she believes there's hope. The doctors say there's no hope. They believe the child is brainstem dead. They haven't tests to prove that, but they believe in their opinion and their expert opinion that the child is brainstem dead and will never recover. So I want to know, and the question I'm asking today in these situations, these dilemmas, these human dilemmas, whose decision ultimately should it be? Look, there's a... I don't want to put this down to money, but there's a cost factor to keeping a child in a ward with nurses and doctors and machines on constantly and a space taken up for somebody else who may have a chance to survive. And I know that sounds grim, but that is the fact. And then there's also the fact that some people will say, well, you're keeping him alive artificially and it could be cruel. He could be uncomfortable. And that's what the doctors will say. But she's saying there's always a hope. There's always a hope. He's 12. I want to know whose decision ultimately should it be? The parents or the state? 
That's it. Whose decision? Let me know what you think in this situation, whose decision you believe it should be. The number is 087-188-0008. That's 087-188-0008. Whose decision should it be? Let me go to Babs. Babs, you're in Ireland's Classic Kids. How are you doing, Babs? Hi, Niall. How are you? What a shocking, sad story. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't imagine that, Babs. I know. I really, uh, my heart goes out because I had an auntie who had a brain hemorrhage. She fell down the stairs and she was seven months pregnant. And she had six kids. And my uncle um, fought and fought like um, he wouldn't have cared if she was a vegetable as long as she was there in front of her children. That was mm-hmm. his thing. But she, the longer she, the baby did eventually die, so it was never delivered. But they, so do they do they keep her artificially alive until yeah, she maybe did. gave birth? They did. And yeah. even looking at her, she looked perfect. And they had to take the eyelids down because they would flicker. Okay. With the motions of the machine, you know, you think she was going, you think she was wakening up, you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. even though she was still warm to touch, but there was no brain activity. In the end, um, as I said, my uncle was so distraught. He had six babies at home and he was prepared, even if she was sitting in a wheelchair, once she was there. In the end, um, medical had to, to explain because there, was, there were other people on life support um but like that too, there were signs of life, but there was no signs of life in my auntie. And he was just presuming that the longer she'd be left, it will, it will, um, she will come back. But in the end, she just deteriorated. And she was on so long, she just kept deteriorating. And you could see it in her, you know, that way. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't very, very nice to look. And she was only in her 30s, you know. But in the end, medical had to take over. Um they had to turn her off, even like her mother was distraught at the time because she couldn't bear the fact that she was deteriorating in front of her eyes, you know. And, and did, so did the parents, did, did her husband and her mother object to them turning off the machine? The, the, my uncle would have, at the time, my, yeah. um, her mother was prepared you know, because of deterioration, even though he didn't see so that. So she had accepted it. She had yeah. accepted it. Yeah, okay. she was so long on it, you know, yeah. even like... How long, um, was she, how long was she on the machine for? Oh, it must have been... Um, prob- I mean, for the time that was in, I mean, after three or four days, they were telling to let her go because the baby was gone. But he was just adamant. I think it was probably about um, 12, 13 at the most. Yeah. He just wouldn't... Like, he just presumed... Um, yeah, she'll be fine. Um, I don't care if she's a vegetable as long as she's sitting there and the kids can see her. You know, and that that was his adamant. Once she was there, it didn't matter what stage she was in. Well, is that right? Is that really right? It wasn't. No, well, it wasn't. But in his not. mind, sight, like he had three babies and they needed the mother. I mean, you know? j- just to clarify, I mean, <clears throat> anybody can, if you want to now, you can have a do not resuscitate. So, you know, if you ever end up in that situation personally yourself, you, you're giving people permission to turn off the machine, so to speak. But, yeah. but most people don't think of doing that. And I, I think a lot of us would say to each other, Jesus, if I ever end up like that, just turn off the machine. A lot of people would say, we'd say that to each other. But when you're in love with somebody and when you have a child or a husband or a wife and they're lying there, you know, and they look sometimes look perfect, apart from they're attached to a machine. Yeah. You know, and they look like themselves and you're saying, you know, why would you want, there's always hope, there's always hope. And and by the way, there has been cases in the world, extremely rare cases, where doctors, 
<coughs> oh, pardon me, something I got my throat. Where doctors get it wrong. And yeah. somebody's in a coma and they'll say they're never going to come out of a coma. But, you know, yeah, and, and I remember watching a program one night, there was a guy six months in a coma. And the doctors were about to turn off the machine that week. And he woke up. And the man, yeah. after a bit of rehabilitation for about six or seven months, he's perfectly fine now. So, yeah. I mean, these, I'm not going to use the word miracle, but I suppose in some sense it's a miracle of science, it's a miracle of biology. They, it happens. And it did happen for another girl that was in ICU at the time. And um, there must have been a sign, a flicker of light, because she did, this other girl did eventually wake up that was in the same ICU as my auntie. But the doctors, like, they were adamant. I mean, there was no coming back when they start deteriorating. They will leave them as long as possible until that deterioration starts. It's not a decision. But even though they know, like, there's no brain activity, you know they're not going to survive. But they do, they do wait. They don't just do it all straight away. It's just when it comes down to deterioration, they do have to kind of help make that decision and make um, people see them. I think at the end of the day it was her mother that decided it was time to let her go, you know? Yeah. Um, well, okay, getting getting back to this story, is, and I do yeah. apologise for what happened to, to your auntie, and, yeah. uh, and, and I, I, I know it was a long time ago and, and what have you, but yeah. I mean, is it different when it's a child? Because nobody expects to lose a child. People always think they're going to live longer than their children. And, you know, when you see such an innocent 12-year-old child who was perfectly healthy up to that point and unfortunately got involved in something online, and we're going to be talking about the dangers of online a bit later on, that's what the mother believes, and ended up in this situation where he's been unconscious since April and, according to doctors, brainstem dead. What? Yeah. What? Who do you think ultimately should it be allowed? Should have to make that decision? Do you believe the courts um, should make that decision? Um, I think um, listening to medical, they're at the end of the day, they're the final straw because they're the ones that can see the deterioration. At times, you won't probably see, it. and it seems to be a long time mm-hmm. on, and he he doesn't seem to have deteriorated. Well, well, according, well, from the photographs I've seen, he doesn't seem to have deteriorated too much. But according to doctors, he is deteriorating. But according to his mother, he's not. Well, uh, you know yourself. They, We're not there, people obviously. will see what they want to see of now course. at the yeah, end yeah. of the day. Yeah. You know that way, and it's very. I don't know what I would do in that situation. All I know is, I think I would be relying on the medical. I mean, the court, they can only rely on the medicals as well, and they have to listen to the medical people. You know, but I still think at the end of the day, um, once it starts deterioration, it's time to let the person go. And yeah, if it means that the courts have to make that decision, yeah, they have to because if, um, of course, they're going against medical by going to the court, the court, yeah. the medical people have already made up their mind that it's time to let them go. You know, it's different if it was just unconscious, but when the brain is dead, there's no coming back from it. But Not the, after that length of time. And, and I, I agree, but as far as the mother is concerned, that's a doctor's opinion or a doctor's professional view. And, you know, her argument is they could be wrong. And she believes that she's now been offered, you know, to move him to Japan or Italy where some doctor has told her, who could be telling her a lot of porcupines, that he can help. Now, he may be able to, but he may not be able to help. And, you know, and I, I don't know, as a parent, and, and I understand her, I 
I mean, as an, if you're looking from the outside in, the logical thing is to say, yes, of course, they should turn off the machine and, and, not, and not be yeah, cold. Yeah. But if you're a but parent... Standing in that is very, very absolutely. hard and you're going to absolutely. want to keep them as live as much as possible. Of course, if it was your, your child or my child, we'd do, wouldn't we do exactly the same thing? I would like to think we, we would. We would. You know, you, you lose all sense of reason, don't I? You know, you, you're not looking at things reasonably and you never will until the moment that life support is thing but I suppose in hindsight I suppose it's all down to money at the end of the day isn't it? If she has the money to send this child well, to I'm, another I'm assuming, country I'm assuming she hasn't I don't know well I don't know I think she's been she's being funded at the moment by the Christian Legal Centre I think they're obviously given some level of funding towards this you know, because yeah. of course their their belief as a Christian would be that it's God's de- it's God's decision and not the hospitals. But then again, God is if they want to believe in God, God has already made the decision. Because if it wasn't for the hospital, yeah. he wouldn't be alive. Yeah. You yeah. I mean? Anyway, listen, Babs, thank you very much indeed for sharing that story with us. It gives you a bit of an insight. Uh, keep texting, keep what's happening. The number is O eight seven one double eight treble zero eight. I want to take your views. Whose choice and whose decision is it? The parents or the hospital and courts? The number is 87 treble 8 The more and more I look at all these kind of stories from around the world, similar type stories from around the world, it always makes you wonder that life is so precious, doesn't it? Pat O'Leary joins me. Good afternoon to you, Pat. Good afternoon, Niall. How are you? How are you? Now, Pat, your daughter's story was featured on Primetime, from what I remember. Yes. Um, Catherine. Now, ju- just to remind people of the story, if we take us back to, say, 2008, when she had an operation at Cork University Hospital, this is in relation to a, yeah. a brain tumour that she had. Yeah. Okay, so so what led you to that point, by the way? I mean, did did she have, like, a diagnosis long before that? or? Yeah, well, uh, it was an actual misdiagnosis, but anyway... Yeah, uh, well, I know there was a negligence claim against the HSE. Yeah, the time, yeah, of course, was, yeah, but we're gone well past that. Past that point, But, yeah. uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it's like watching the, this, this poor woman in England and her son, right? It's It's like it brings back memories of when I was in hospital as well, you know, with Catherine and, you know, she fighting for her life. Like, and uh, on one occasion, Neil, you see, it was similar when when Catherine was at home, right? Yeah. When we got her home finally, right? When, now, when, when, did you, when did you actually get her home? What year was it you got her home? Oh, about seven years ago. We have her home now. Oh, okay, okay, right? okay. And, uh, you and know, she, ha- she does have locked in syndrome. Uh, yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, okay. She's, they, they say she's in a vegetative state. Uh, you know, you know, you know, Neil, when experts come down and they spend an hour or two hours, when we're sitting next to Catherine 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we know, we, I think the family knows better yeah. of what sort of interaction she has with us. And I'm telling you, you know, she has some interaction. And actually can, can you describe, of, just for listeners who don't understand that, Pat, and what this woman in the UK is holding on to at the moment, okay? <coughs> Pardon me, the interactions, sorry, something got my throat. The interactions she has currently at the moment are in the UK. She said he squeezes her hand every now and again. Yes, but my daughter does the very same. Yeah. And, like, that is not a muscle or spasms, right? I know, I know yeah. this happened to Catherine Fifth. 15 years ago. Imagine Catherine is after surviving nearly 16 years. Mm-hmm. And she's actually home, sorry, now she's home nine years. Yeah. And uh, that interaction that I've seen with the young boy, right, holding, and Catherine does the very same thing. Oh, I, I, watched, and, I watched the video of him holding his mom's hand. She put the video up online. 
And it's heartbreaking. It really is heartbreaking to see it because I could, and as much as people say it's cruel to keep somebody alive in that state, you always think to yourself, if that was my child, I would do whatever I could. Of course you would. Exactly. And I mean, that, that's what we've done, Niall. Niall, I can remember in a situation where Catherine was on a life support. She was at home here and she just, one, it was one summer afternoon, she just stopped breathing. And then we, we the, the, the nurses here used an ambi bag to keep her breathing and got her into the hospital. And I can remember sitting inside in the hospital with her, right? And all that the, the nurses and doctors were telling me is, you know, we're going to have to switch off the machine. And I said, no, you, you won't. You, you know where you're going to switch off the machine. And, and can, I, can I ask you, just from a professional point of view and your own personal opinion as well, if they switched off the machine, Catherine's life would end, of course. Oh, yes, it, it, it would have been then, yeah. Yes. It would, yeah. That, that, her life would have been... I can remember, and at the time, Neil, my wife was after going away on holidays, right? I, I sent her away because she was so stressed and everything, but everything, I sent her away on, on a break, right? And she was already over there a day when she had to come back again because of Catherine. And I can remember telling him in the hospital, my wife is away, right? If there's any, any decisions to be made on whether Catherine's, you know, the life support would be taken off of Catherine. I said, that should come from us, not, not G. I said, what authority like D have? And, as, and you know, so I, I'm, I'm looking at a picture here of yourself and your wife and Catherine being brought home, by the way, on, on the website, by the way. And yeah. the joy in both your faces. Oh, yeah. To see her yeah, being brought that, home. You see, at that time, and Niall, and coming back now to the, that poor, poor kid in England and mm. the, the mum, uh, I kept with Catherine all the time. I kept into her ear night and day, Catherine, please, please stop breathing. Please, please stop breathing. And after a day and a half, two days, she started breathing on her own. So, so, so you at that time, and I want to get this correct, and, and if I'm getting this wrong, please correct me, but at that time, you were thinking to yourself, if she dies, she would die naturally, and it would be because that's what needs to happen. But the, you didn't want to obviously do it in an artificial manner. But, but that's what no. you were thinking to yourself, but, but that's, you would accept that. But as far as you were concerned, there was hope there that that's not what she wanted. She was fighting to live. Yeah, and I mean, she, Catherine, Catherine is, is absolutely amazing now. I mean... I can remember at that time, and they said, look, she's not going to survive from the hospital down to your house. And when, when I got Catherine out into the ambulance, we got a private ambulance of ourselves because they wouldn't t- take her because of legal matters or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had a nurse and a carer inside in the ambulance with me and uh, the paramedics. And the minute she went out into the ambulance, she started breathing normally on her own. And when we took her home, and this is, uh, you're talking, nine years down the road. And when, she, when she's lying in bed, and I'm sure you sit by her bedside on a, on a daily basis and talk to her and chat to her and, I don't know, sing to her and play music to her or whatever it is that you do. Yeah, and we, she, she watches TV and yeah. she smiles. and. So I was going to say that. So, so at this point now, uh, obviously in a lot better position than she would have been many years ago. Yeah. Um, what what reactions do do you get from her? You know, having for people who don't understand Lockdown syndrome and how it affects somebody, so how it manifests itself. I mean, so, do, she blinks her eyes. I assume. Yeah, and when, when I talked, when I talked to her, you know, I I'd ask her some something, and I'd say, just give me a big blink, Catherine. Just shut your eyes, and and she does. Okay. No, not all the time, Neil. 
Okay. All the time. Do you think she has a full understanding of everything you're saying to her? Mm, no. Okay. No. Definitely not. Uh, does she know? Uh, does, she, does she know who you are, both of you, and yourself or Margaret would walk into the room or whatever? Does she know 100%, who you? One hundred percent. And all the carers and the nurses said the same. So she acknowledges they, everybody, and she acknowledges yes, who people are. The minute she'd hear my voice, she would smile. We, we have her all monitored, and her heart rate starts to go up. You know. Oh, okay, so you can tell by her bodily functions. Yes. Yes, and her heart rate, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I just feel so sorry for that poor woman in England. I mean, I think what should be done, Neil, is that she should be allowed to take the child on a, on a ventilator, the child out of the hospital on her own home and then let the family make their decision at home whether to take him off the leg. But, but you would have to move that, all that equipment and everything with the child. And I understand that you believe that's the right thing to do. That is the right thing to oh, do. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's what I think. Yeah. I, and I always said about Catherine, if anybody was making a decision whether Catherine lives or dies, that would be her mum and dad is doing it, nobody else. And, I've and what, do you, what do you say to people? And, and I just want to be fair, Pat, and I don't want to be unfair to you uh, and, 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 and your family, right? But what do you say to people who have expressed over the last 24 hours that it's cruel? to keep somebody, or this boy in this case, in hospital, Archie Battersby, who's 12 years of age, to keep him artificially alive. Uh, because doctors have claimed he could be uncomfortable. Um, they don't know for sure, because, of course, we don't know how nerve endings work in those situations, If you're, and they believe he's brainstem dead. So what, what do you say to people who say it's cruel to continue to support his life artificially? I think they're, I, I think they're, they're totally wrong. Mm. I mean, they are. I mean, if uh, if they could turn around and, you know, about the squeezy, the finger, the hands, right? Yeah. Now, they can't prove for 100% that it's a muscle spasm. An involuntary. There's, doctors say it's an involuntary muscle. Like when you put your finger into a baby's hand, it automatically closes. It closes, yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they can't prove that. And looking, I was looking at him, right? And I mean, looking at him just in the television and... I've had Catherine in, in, in that situation, yeah. you know? And, and I, I'm and sure watching this on Sky News and BBC particularly as well, and I know it featured on RT last night as well, I, I'm sure it brings it all back to you. Oh, yeah, it, it definitely does. And, uh, you know, I felt so sorry for, for that poor woman in England. I mean, I've gone through a lot, and my wife has gone through a lot, and at this stage now we're sort of relaxed and we have Catherine at home. And that, no, Neil... Some people might look at it, uh, my daughter and say it is cruel. Uh, but at this stage, Catherine is going nowhere. Yeah. She doesn't want to go nowhere. Yeah. Any, anything she's ever got. And, but but I, do, I do believe that Catherine is in a better position than Archie because you're oh, saying yeah, to me that, yeah. you know, she does blink, she does acknowledge her heart rate, you know, changes, etc., yeah. etc., et depending on yeah. if, when you walks into the room. And she, she acknowledges her surroundings, although she may not be able to do anything. She acknowledges the surroundings. I think the situation with Archie is, is probably a little bit different. I know, it's way different. I, I, in a I, sense. I, know, I, I think it's more but devastating, I, to be honest with you. Oh, it is devastating, but yeah. I still think Neil, that they, they should have the right to bring him, bring him home and let them make their decision then whether to take him off life support themselves. Let, let the family decide. See, there, there is ultimately a point, and, and you're, maybe you're right, the state should never have any decision to make around, you know, supporting human life. You know, the family should no. always make that decision. But there is always a point, even in Irish law uh, as well, which I'm sure you've been through in Irish law too, in Irish law where the state can step in. If doctors make a decision 
and the parents don't agree or the family don't agree or the husband or the wife or wherever it happens to be, the, the next of kin don't agree. The, the, the hospitals can take a case and we've had a few cases in court in this country, very similar to the UK. We've had cases in court where the, the, the three judges will decide in a high court, I'm sorry, the doctors, we, we accept their opinion and the machine will be cut off tomorrow at 12 o'clock and the person will be allowed to die naturally. And those things happen. Because we, you can't, and I know people bring religion and God into it sometimes, which I think is incorrect. Because if God was really making his decision, well, then we wouldn't be keeping people alive artificially. Do you understand oh, what I'm saying? Yeah, if, I know. if that was the case, you know. So I, know. I, I think it's unfair to bring religion into it. Now, I know in the UK, this particular family are being funded at the moment and helped and supported by the Christian Legal Centre. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't be, afford, uh, be afford, mm-hmm. able to afford to go to the High Court and now to the European Court of Human Rights as well. I think this is the last straw for them and the last case. I, I know. know, I know. It's so, it's so sad. Really so sad. Mm. And, I mean, I know, I know. It's... Mm. I know it's a very different situation now with between Archie and my daughter. Like, there's no comparison whatsoever. And there's also, you know? I suppose, from this woman's point of view in the UK, um, there's also the expense of having somebody at home. Now, the state will provide some level of care, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but there's a massive expense to it as well. In this woman's case, I don't want to talk about your personal circumstances, but yeah. in this woman's case, you know, or even in your own circumstances to some degree, to having, I mean, somebody has to be there all the time, a member of the family, so somebody has to give up a job somewhere along the line and yeah. be there all the time. So there's a huge expense to it. Well, yeah, definitely, yeah. Mm. I mean, we, we have to be, both of us, myself and my wife, even now, one of us have to be in the house at all times. Two of us can go out. Two of us, two of us can go on holiday. Yeah. Uh, but, but look, that's what um, we want can, to if, if it's not too personal, and I, and I don't want to make anything personal at all, Pat, uh, because you've been very good and very honest with me in, in relation to this. But I, I know there was obviously a settlement in the courts in relation to your case, and, and I understand mm-hmm. that. And I don't want to go too much into detail in that. Uh, but in saying that, I mentioned there is a cost factor involved in looking after Catherine or looking after Archie or, or looking after any person who might be in this situation. Eventually, the money runs out. You know what I mean? Or, or, well, that's what happened with us. Our, our money did run out, and I'll tell you the honest truth. It, it was all, all the money was inside in the wards of court. So the only thing that was paid out was for expenses and for, for staff. Mm-hmm. And that was, done, that was done through an accountant, right? Mm-hmm. And when that money ran out, then I, I went back into court again. Yeah. And it, thank God, thank God. Yeah. We, we have Catherine looked after now for the rest of her life. Oh, for, well, that's good. Uh, that's good. You know, and uh, well, no, well, I suppose in that situation, no that way, Neil. yeah, and, and that situation, you were lucky. But I don't think in this case, for example, in the UK, unfortunately, uh, the child has been unconscious since the day he went into hospital uh, because of obviously oh, whatever he was doing online, sadly. But so there will be, there's no negligence here on behalf of the hospital. Now I know the mother has called over the last 24 hours, and she can be forgiven. She can be forgiven. She's talking. She's saying the doctors are executing her child. And I, I know a lot of people are having a go at her for saying that. She, she's hysterical. And I think I she know, has, has to be forgiven. You, you'd do anything for your of children. Of course you would, of course. And she has to be forgiven for saying things, you know, out of turn, maybe. You know what I mean? It's her 12-year-old son. Yeah. She don't want to let him go. We didn't want to let Catherine go. Yeah. I mean, no way. We, we did everything that we could to, keep, to, to, to try and keep her. No, some people might say it is wrong the way Catherine is now, but Catherine is very comfortable and she's really well looked after. And, you know, uh, she's not going nowhere. It's, uh, we well, all she wants is love. And she, yeah. I, th- I think she's getting that from you and your partner as well, by the way. So, 
Oh, definitely. Yeah. All right. And yeah. I, I hope it all works out in England. I, I know, like, that. I just hope that they just don't turn off the machine. I think if they did leave the child go home, and, I mean, taking a, a life support machine, it's not that, uh, you know... It's, like, do, it's doable, is what you're saying, actually, yeah. You know, yeah. it's easy to move, move a child. I mean, it, it is like... Okay. All right. Well, listen, thank you very much indeed. I appreciate your honesty and thanks very much for talking to us today. And I no wish problem, you no. and Margaret and Catherine, uh, I wish thank all you. of you well. Thank all you right. very much. Thanks very much indeed. OK, all let right. me go to Lisa. Lisa, you're in Ireland's Classic Kids. How are you doing, Lisa? Hi, Niall. What a lovely gentleman you had speaking there. And Catherine's very lucky to have someone there. Lucky to have her. Mm-hmm. Really lovely. Yeah, it's, it, look, people will, uh, of course, would dedicate their lives to looking after somebody if they love them enough. You of know? They will. Of course they will. Um, the situation where Archie, I mean, that mother or father could be forgiven for saying anything, no matter what they say. They're in a situation, hopefully, the vast majority of us will never, ever be in. Um, so it's, it's completely understandable. Um, they're reaching out. I don't understand the haste to pull the plug on that child's life. I genuinely, that's bamboozling my brain from the start. According to doctors, the reason, that, the reason for haste is they believe it's cruel and they believe the child is uncomfortable by keeping the child alive. That's their professional opinion. What an absurd job. I mean, I thought, thought their code of ethics was the preservation of life, you know, but that's a whole other ball game. And it's their job to keep him comfortable, I would have thought. And if they can tell that he's in pain, well, then I'd question their, you know, whole prognosis of if he's able to express and feel pain, well, then he's not brain dead as such. And brain stem dead, yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, there are people now left in a coma for some, for decades. I think the longest person in a coma was 26 years who came out of it. Um, I'm not saying that that's, you know, practical. I do believe that uh, there's a money element to this. Um, with, you know, there's no, well, there's no doubt about that. I, I, I don't, but I wouldn't just believe that. Of course, there is. There's a financial aspect to it, and there's also keeping a bed space. You've got three or four staff around the clock looking after somebody. And the argument is, without being callous, that those staff and those doctors in that bed would be better served with somebody who has a better chance of survival. And that's just the way they. That's the way we look at things. Well, you know, Niall. Again, there are how many hundreds of thousands of people across the world are in hospital with uh, terminal illness. Mm. Um, how many, what percentage of those uh, would choose euthanasia, right? And they won't allow that. So how they can, you know, call a decision to tell an adult. If I had a diagnosis of a terminal illness today and I chose I want to die, I don't want to go through that, I would be told no, suffer. And the hospital well, no, no, you know, you're incorrect. If you were in this situation as an adult... Yeah. You can have do not resuscitate on your driver's license or whatever it I is. I can, but I yeah. can struggle on for ten years. And they would agony. just turn off the machine. They wouldn't. They but, wouldn't resuscitate you. No, but I can turn. I can live for years in agony. You know, and and non-existent really, kind of existing rather than living. But what I'm saying is, I I, I as an adult wouldn't have the choice to say no, end my life tomorrow. I, d- I don't want to go through that, right? And that's a cognitive decision that I can make, right? As a grown woman. But a 12-year-old child, a decision's being made um, that shouldn't be. They really shouldn't. Um, I think it's absolutely appalling. The money, uh, you're going into millions on court cases. So, you know, the hospital's legal team are spending a hell of a lot more money fighting that family in court than they would be um, on an um, Mm. NHS-provided bed. They were able to find plenty of uh, intensive care staff and beds when the COVID crisis hit, 
you know, what's the difference? And at this rate, if a baby is born with a brain, a catastrophic brain injury, Niall, what do we do? Do we snuff the baby's life out and say, Ash, do you know what? It doesn't matter. They're, they're, they're not going to progress much and they're not going to come back and they're not going to do this, that and the other. That doesn't happen. So why, why would a 12-year-old child, I don't understand why the system is fighting this family so much. I don't understand why they weren't even afforded a little bit of empathy to give them time to come to terms with what's going on. Inevitably, yeah. Well, you know, well, well, well I mean, it is... Will die now, April, but, well, it, but when you say a little bit of time, it, it's April the 7th. He has been unconscious since the day that um, this has happened. Um, well, let TikTok pay for his uh, bills. That's the way I look at it now, because, you know, evidently the child was doing a challenge. That crap is on social media, you know. So why are TikTok not responsible for that child's um, medical I care? And I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't argue with that if it was proven that they were responsible, or that's yeah. exactly what, and according sure to his mother, be. that's what he was doing, yes. Yeah, and I'm sure it will be. I mean, you know, the time stamping that will be on the child's phone. But I just don't understand why. I mean, I, I read the court transcripts. I read um, the letter that the hospital sent, the horrible letter that the hospital sent to the family. It actually made me cry, and I don't cry easily now. To, to, to be so cold and callous, uh, to type a letter out and send it to a family detailing moment by moment how that child's life will be snuffed out was appalling. It was cruel, to say the least. So to have a little, even if inevitably the child will die, have a little bit of empathy, a little bit of compassion and understanding and give them time to come to terms with what's going on. Why the rush? Why the deadline? Do you know? Okay. All right. Well, well, the the hospital did say, uh, just to clarify today, that they will obviously postpone it um, temporarily until the European Court of Human Rights comes back. The European Court of Human Rights had an application before nine o'clock this morning. And they said that they will respond to that. The application has been accepted and submitted. So they will consider the case. The UN will consider the case. Now, they could come back this afternoon and say that, unfortunately, uh, there's nothing more that can be done. With the greatest of respect, Niall, the hospital are not doing the family any service there and they're not being nice. Okay. They're doing okay. what the law obliges them to do. OK, well, listen, Lisa, I have to go into a break. Thank you very much indeed for that. The number's 87 Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Ireland's classic.